to another episode of Come Over for Dinner. I am so excited you're joining me today. I'm Bess Hawthorne, your host. I have realized that I never introduced myself. I'm not sure in 70 episodes if I've ever introduced myself, so I'm starting to. (laughs) I just assume you all know me, and that's probably not the case. So I am Bess Hawthorne, and I am joined by Meg Campbell from California. She has moved to Moscow, Idaho for college. She currently is a senior at NSA, New St. Andrews College here in town. She's 22, and she is already a fabulous bread baker. She runs Moscow Bread Box, where she makes all kinds of amazing breads and other things as well. But I ran into her at the Winter Fair, which was a lot of local vendors, people who make local goods, whether it's food or other crafts or pictures or paintings, that sort of thing. And her table was beautiful. She was selling sourdough, molasses spice bread, cranberry orange rolls, rosemary garlic focaccia. The list goes on. She is very talented, and I cannot wait to hear from her. Welcome, Meg. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So you started baking bread last May, and already you are just fabulous at it. (laughs) I started selling last May. I did. I grew up, my dad baked sourdough all growing up. So he taught me when I was young, the basics. And then when I was, I don't know, a couple years ago, I started trying to figure it out for myself again. So didn't just start in May. Okay. (laughs) That makes me feel better. (laughs) (laughs) It does take time, especially the sourdough. I've heard that a lot. Like, just don't give up. You can, Mm -hmm. your first loaves may not look so great or maybe (laughs) dense or whatever, but eventually you've mentioned it's muscle memory. You just keep doing it and you'll, you'll learn how to do it better and better and better. So Mm -hmm. about how many loaves have you made in the last (laughs) year and a half or so? My estimate probably in the last year and a half, two years, is around 1,500 loaves. I don't have a real count on that, but an average of between 14 and 20 a week, most weeks. That is a lot of bread (laughs) baking. There are a lot of blessed people out in our community (laughs) eating her delicious goods. I bought a few things from the Winter Fair, and everything I tasted was just absolutely incredible. In fact, I put a pan of her cranberry orange rolls in the freezer because my daughter is visiting this will air after Christmas time, but we're recording before Christmas, so I have an episode or two for January <laughs> pre-recorded. But I put a pan of cranberry orange rolls in the freezer for her visit because it's just going to be such a busy time. And I thought, oh, what fun it will be to have some delicious baked goods that I can just pull out on a busy morning and not have to get up and create. So I'm excited about that. Looking forward to those. But she was also selling individual ones, so I had to snag one of those, and we split (laughs) it at home, and (laughs) thought it was very delicious. Besides baking, she's also a full-time secretary at her church, and like I mentioned, a college student. Mm -hmm. So very busy in all of that. You are also hospitable. So we're going to jump into that, but first, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like you said, I'm 22. I moved here from California. I guess four and a half years ago now. Grew up as a pastor's kid. My dad pastors a small church back home. So my dad's pastor. My mom's an excellent cook. The table was a very (laughs) central part of our family's ministry. So hospitality is very much something that I I knew I valued moving to college and never had a sense that it wasn't for me, even though, you know, I'm not married with kids, but that's very much something I've always valued and I appreciate my parents instilling that in my brother and I, especially. 
like I said, been here four and a half years. I've worked at Trinity for two and a half now, I think, which is delightful. I love working there and spend a lot of time making things with flour. <laughs> I think that about sums it up. Recently, you stopped baking for a bit. Tell me why. Why did you stop baking for a little <laughs> while? Because this sounds like a passion and something you love to do. And mm-hmm. you also, selling, it's a great way to have a part-time income as a college student. Mm-hmm. But you had to stop for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Well, just a little over a year ago, last September, life was chugging along. Full-time college student, part-time secretary, starting a small business on a nonprofit board, chugging along, doing the things, and not sleeping very much. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of all of a sudden came to a screeching halt with like muscle spasms and like uncontrolled limb movement losing sensation in my limbs, difficulty walking, a lot of nerve pain, kind of out of nowhere, felt very unexplained to me. So we did all we did all the tests, we did all the things. It wasn't any of, you know, it wasn't a stroke or a brain bleed or MS or any of those things, which was a huge mercy. Mm-hmm. Didn't get a diagnosis really other than you probably need to tone it down a lot. And get some sleep. <laughs> um, take your care body of your might. body, please. <laughs> um, and been on the fritz. <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. Just kind of tapped out my nervous system's capacity. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this past year, I had to drop classes. I had to stop baking. I was just taking two classes and working less than I even was before. And very much a year of the Lord humbling me and the Lord saying, none of those things that you were doing were making you valuable. <laughs> None of those things that you were achieving uh, were making you know making you who you were to other people to the Lord, and that was a remarkably hard lesson to learn. But one I'm grateful I was forced to learn because had I been allowed to keep distracting myself <laughs> with, albeit productive but mm-hmm. uh, productive distraction, I think I could have gone a very long time without actually coming to terms with what gives me value, who mm-hmm. gives me value. And the freedom mm-hmm. that comes from knowing those things. So the Lord's been very merciful. My health has improved quite a lot in the last year. And yeah, the fair was the first time I'd baked on scale since last September. So it was a bit of a like, whoa, this is a lot of work. I forgot how much work this is, but also how much I enjoy it. So really hoping if the Lord opens the right doors to start inching my way back into selling consistently, selling on scale and just kind of see where that goes. Now that you're back to doing it or you did the winter fair, are you really making a conscious effort to make sure you get enough sleep (laughs) so that you're not kind of going down that same road again? I mean, is that kind of forefront of your mind? Like I do have to take care of my body, even though I'm really wanting to jump back into Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the excitement is high, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but can't live on adrenaline alone. Yeah. So very much kind of slow and steady. What can I do while I'm still in school? to kind of build my marketing, build my customer base, build a website, design merch, things like that, and do maybe pop-up sales over the course of the year. Mm-hmm. But just pace yourself and then because just you're slow, also doing slow your roll. <laughs> like, classes finish school and, working and, and then see what happens. So, and yeah, there's a lot of, I was just telling you before the podcast started, like considerations for, okay, if I scale back up and start selling consistently again, I need to get a mixer (laughs) because Mm -hmm. mixing that much dough by hand is quite a physical labor. It's pretty tough on your body too, a workout. Yeah. And I live in a basement apartment. I don't have an oven, funnily enough, for a baker. And (laughs) so I bake at church, but I have to carry all that dough out of the basement. So if I could get a mixer in the same location as Mm -hmm. 
the oven, that would change my life. Mm. And, you know, changing the big schedule. So it's like fresh for dinner instead of fresh for breakfast saves that 2 to 3 a.m. call time, which oh, would be quite nice. So you've been <laughs> waking more up at 2 to 3 so you can have bread fresh in the morning? On large bake days, yeah. So like I did Troy Farmer's Market last summer. And that was setup was at seven and it was in Troy. So I was leaving bake at like 645 <laughs> with all the dishes done, everything cleaned up, everything packed up, packaged, ready to go. So did you sleep that night? I would usually get like three, <laughs> oh maybe word. four hours before a farmer's market. So anyways, that's the goal of what not to do this time. Right. You're kind <laughs> of learning from your mistakes. Rebuild in a yes. more sustainable you're way. You're not a robot. Yeah. You're a human. So you have to take that into account. You have to take <laughs> into account your, your limits. frame. Befriend your limits. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> wow. So that's such a neat story that your dad taught you how to make sourdough. Mm-hmm. And no wonder he everybody wanted to come to your home for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Fresh sourdough bread to go with dinner? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> What's your favorite way to serve sourdough? Just with butter? Do y'all toast it? I mean, what? I or do you just toast. slice it and just set it out? <laughs> I eat a lot of toast. Most of the time, yeah, I'll just toast it with butter. A couple weeks ago, we did a little Friendsgiving thing with some gals, and I sliced up a loaf and like doused. <laughs> I doused it in the rosemary garlic oil that I made the focaccia in, and then I put that in the oven, and then like sprinkled heavily with salt over the top. That was kind of unreal. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds really delicious. Quite good. Would recommend. But honestly, what butter. Kind of that's salt an everyday. I usually just pink salt. I get it at Costco. Nothing fancy. Okay. <laughs> well, the focaccia bread I tasted was absolutely delicious and it seemed like they were bigger chunks of salt mm-hmm. on top. I got some kosher salt for kosher that salt one. For yeah. That one. Oh, so good. I'm dreaming about that focaccia bread. <laughs> <laughs> I need more. <laughs> So tell me a little bit about the hospitality you do as a college student, as a very busy college student. You just mentioned a friend's thanks or a friend's giving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was at our friend's house and we all brought, we all brought things because we wanted to have a table ideally. And I also don't have one of those. So (laughs) make it a little more formal, actually Uh set the China. Right. A lot of my hospitality is very spur of the moment. I'm getting out of my car and somebody's walking down the street. It's like, oh, hey, come in. Or, you know, students need a place to study. That sort of thing. That's a fun idea. Yeah. Come study at your house and yeah. you can kind of like visit or study together or have dinner together. Even now that I'm, I work most of the day, like I don't have a regular student schedule. Like I just tell people like my door is always open. Like I actually don't lock it. I don't care if you're in my house, you know where the tea is, like yeah. make yourself at home you and people, spot. you know, come in and out. There's Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, so it's a lot of that kind of just the space is available what I have is available to you. And I remember, I don't know if this is particularly answering the question, but someone told me this years ago and it's really stuck with me that like you can be hospitable with your personal bubble, right? Like hospitality is welcoming someone into your space, whether that's your home or literally just the space that you're physically occupying and being willing to be interrupted and willing to be, you know, air quotes, but like burdened by somebody's Mm -hmm. needing something from you or, even just wanting to spend time with you and you felt like you really had to get things done. That's very relevant as a secretary, but I think that's just very relevant in general. Like mm-hmm. you're always going to have those kinds of interruptions mm-hmm. and handling those graciously and making your personal space a welcoming space where you actually make people feel valued and welcome. And being able to set aside what you were rushing to do potentially mm-hmm. or wanted to do, you have to stop and 
either pay attention to them or maybe even just sit and listen and visit mm-hmm. versus being up and busy with the dishes or whatever. Right. It does take thoughtfulness to be hospitable and welcoming for sure. Mm-hmm. Because that's not our tendency if we're go, 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 you know, and try to get this done and that done and another thing done. Well, a lot of sometimes that does mean you're not a hospitable person because right. you're thinking about really your agenda, your list, which are good things. A lot of times they're necessary things, but need to be set aside for a time. Mm-hmm. I've had to teach myself that over the years. I've mentioned that on here before, but I love to get everything clean. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if you're having guests and they're all visiting and talking and you're in the kitchen doing dishes, mm-hmm. well, that's not very hospitable. And right. you miss out. It's boring. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Later, let them sit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's hard for me. But I have learned that that's – I remember us having company over and, you know, they're all talking and telling stories and laughing and having a great time. And I'm trying to tune in. The kitchen wasn't too far away. And I missed half the story. Like none mm-hmm. of it made sense because mm-hmm. I was hearing bits and pieces. Right. And I do remember that specific moment, like telling myself, what are you doing right now? I mean, mm-hmm. like there is a time maybe if I'm trying to make coffee for the guests. Sure. That's different. But if I'm in there trying to make sure the counter looks nice, mm-hmm. why? Like right. do it later. They right. know that you're not a messy person with a messy counter all the time. It's messy right. because they just serve their plates, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's as I was reading through, you know, the questions that you sent me. One of the primary things to me of how to make people actually feel welcome at your house is to always accept help from them. I mean, this happens a lot to me. Maybe this is not normal, but, you know, people come in and say, what can I do? Is there any way I can help? And the tendency for the for the clean control freak, <laughs> I raised my hand on that one, <laughs> is to say, no, 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 I got it. I like, got it. I got this. I, I have a plan. Everything is going to work. It's all going to be out on time. Don't get in my way. Like, <laughs> really just want to keep things neat and tidy. And the number one thing that I have to remind myself is like, it's not a performance. Like mm-hmm. you want them there and you want them to know that you want them there. Yes. You don't want them thinking, oh, she's trying to put on a show for me, nor do you actually want to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, stir this pot so I can take out the trash or mm-hmm. would you help with the dishes? Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, if you're a person like if you have little kids, would you like <laughs> play with the toddler? <laughs> would actually be a blessing <laughs> to me so he's not under my feet. Right. right. Like. Whatever the situation is, if somebody is actually there and willing, there's no better way to help someone feel like that space belongs to them and that they ought to be there Mm -hmm. and belong there Mm -hmm. uh, than to let them participate in it and contribute to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I think it relieves a lot of the awkwardness of like, this person's doing all this and I just have to sit here and accept it and I can't thank them. Yes, you know. I'm at arm's length on the outside mm-hmm. instead of being welcomed in. Right. Potentially is how it could feel. Right. And it is like, it's not always convenient. <laughs> I think of like, okay, we make, with my adopted family here, you know, we make pizza every Friday night and their toddler, their three-year-old loves to make the pizza. That is like the highlight of her week. <laughs> it's not helpful. <laughs> It's not helpful <laughs> to have a three-year-old trying to like throwing flour right. everywhere, like tr- just mashing the dough and, you know, like it's yeah. not, things could be more efficient. Sure. Things could be tidier. Sure. Things, the presentation could be more beautiful. But if that's instilling in her the love of, mm-hmm. you know, being in the kitchen, serving people, creating something, mm-hmm. and then the having the, she has the satisfaction of like, I made this for yes. you. Like din- she gets to ring the bell and say dinner's ready. You know, like it's here. We did this. And that's 
that's a lifelong thing. It doesn't matter if I have flour all over my clothes. It doesn't matter if there's flour all over the floor. Yes. (laughs) Or if it took twice as long. Exactly. And not only does she have all of those things right there, but if years later, not very many years later, she'd probably be able to whip that pizza out by herself and clean up. You know, if you allow your children in the beginning to make some messes, Mm -hmm. it takes more time. It's not going to be as efficient, like you said. Mm -hmm. You do that and allow that, and the blessings later are just mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. What, what kids can do. Right. And she's she's only three, and we've been doing – I've been doing this with her for about a year maybe. And she already, like, I walk in the door. She grabs the dough bin from my hands. She takes it. She puts it on the counter. She gets her apron on. She hands me my apron. She gets the rolling pins out. She points at the flower because it's too heavy for her to pick up. <laughs> but I get the flower out. She gets the bench scraper out. She climbs up on her stool, and she's ready. Like, she's ready. She knows the drill. I don't she even need to charge. be there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's great. It's so great. That's a pretty amazing three-year-old. Oh, she's she's the youngest of seven, so she's in charge of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. And what a great. blessing to her that you're spending that time doing that with her. That's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, speaking of food, what is a favorite menu you might choose to serve when people are coming into your home? When you're thinking about having guests over, what is something that pops into your head? Like a tried and true, I love this recipe. Mm-hmm. I will say just up front, I don't ever cook from recipes. It drives my mom insane. I know she's listening to this podcast. So sorry, mom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're an artist, not a scientist. (laughs) But I do. I mean, I somewhat attribute that to she had us cooking dinner once a week by the time we were 12 for the family. So she taught us how to cook. Mm -hmm. I know the principles of cooking. I just can't be bothered to keep a recipe open. But things I will go to often, I'll make curries because you can, you have curry paste and tomatoes and coconut milk and you can put anything else in there and it kind of works do you kind of recreate every time you make it is it always a little bit different or do you have a standard something sort of memorized yeah i mean i have like the things i usually have on hand right so it's like okay i'll have those base ingredients i'll have sweet potatoes onions chicken or something like that that's a pretty common combination but you can put in different kinds of meat you can put in different kinds of veg it and with that you can really bulk it out with potatoes or serving it over rice or whatever so that makes it easier if you're not quite sure how many people are going to show up. Mm-hmm. That's a go-to. I will say I serve people toast a lot. Like, I am not above, hey, this is what I'd be eating for dinner. Here's some fried eggs and toast. I'm That's glad you're a here. pretty good dinner. Right. Like, Breakfast for um, dinner depending. is always delicious. And I feel like people find it comforting, mm-hmm. especially college students. I mean, if you're especially if you're serving some of the bread you make. <laughs> <laughs> That with some butter and jam or honey and some eggs. I mean, that sounds delicious. Yeah. And that's very much like, okay, someone's just, someone's just here or the Mm -hmm. opportunity just arises. I didn't plan ahead for that, but I always have toast and eggs and I'd rather have people there with toast and eggs Mm -hmm. than be too embarrassed. We've often had Brenner at our house for young people coming in, say Mm -hmm. on a Sunday evening or Mm -hmm. usually it was evening. I mean, thinking it was. It was dinner time. Well, we called it Brenner because breakfast for dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a common term. But I remember so many waffles being made. Mm-hmm. We were more into waffles than pancakes, mm-hmm. although I do like pancakes too. But I remember us making countless waffles throughout the years for mm-hmm. friends. And you could just serve waffles. Mm-hmm. Or you could do eggs and bacon if you had it. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know what else we had with it. Usually it was a yeah. combination of some of those things. Sure. Maybe if we had some fruit, we would. But 
you could just do waffles and everybody is just so happy. Yeah. <laughs> glad to be there. Yeah. Glad to be there. They're doing it together. If you are welcoming your guests in, everybody's mm-hmm. you know, stirring batter and right. talking and yeah. cooking and whatever. So it's a good time. Good time. And then many chocolate chips came into the, that whole scene at some yeah. point. Maybe that was more <laughs> with our pancakes because I think those could burn a bit on the waffle iron. Mm-hmm. But we would do pancakes sometimes with many chocolate chips and that would set it over the edge. Oh, and yeah. it kind of spoiled my kids because if I'd ever make pancakes and there weren't any chocolate <laughs> chips, <laughs> they're like, not impressed. Uh, where are the mini chocolate chips, mom? <laughs> well, <laughs> we might That's not for need guests. those for every breakfast, but <laughs> I don't know. Chocolate for breakfast. Yes. Speaking of chocolate croissants, do you make croissants? I haven't delved into croissants yet. They do scare me, but it's on the bucket list. You could totally do it. <laughs> I need to delve into that as well. Because they are delicious, but you know, I probably, it would be one of those things I don't need to know how to make them too well or make them too often. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they are rich. It's a dangerous thing to know how to da- make. a very dangerous thing to know how to make. Let's take a quick break. Are you searching for hands-on activities to help your kids explore the practical side of science? Look no further than your kitchen. Inquisicook blends food science and culinary arts into an engaging program that puts delicious food on the family table. Let Inquisicook do the teaching with lesson videos, reliable recipes, and assessment tools that put students on track for success. Their online platform is easy to navigate and optimized for mobile, so the learning experience can move from the classroom to the kitchen without a hitch. Inquisicook turns curious students into intuitive cooks, not just recipe followers. Say goodbye to the tyranny of the ingredients list and say hello to utilizing what's in season, what's on sale, or what's in the fridge. Visit inquisicook.com to view sample lessons, then check out the recipe gallery to see just how crave-worthy science can be. So to learn to make curry, how did you start? Did you just kind of generally know from watching your parents, or do you have a specific recipe that you use? We did start. We made a lot of curry growing up. That was a family classic for sure. And the one I remember, at least, was the Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution cookbook, Curry. And that, I think he talks about in there as well, like, this is great because you can dump whatever you want. (laughs) And that, I mean, that's very much Jamie Oliver's Mm kind of thing. But that's a great, if you're looking for a pretty straight up, easy to follow, hard to mess up recipe. (laughs) I'll have to list this on my website so that people can have a a good recipe, a go-to recipe for curry. It's served over rice, I'm assuming. Usually, yeah. Usually. And yeah. do you serve anything else with that, or is it really a one-bowl meal? I just kind of dump it in. If I have almonds, I'll put almonds on top or yogurt. I serve pretty much anything and everything with bread because I always have it on hand. Do, so. you, always make, do you always have your own sourdough bread on hand or something mm-hmm. else? Mm-hmm. You have something. Yeah, I'll usually make. have like a loaf fresh out and a loaf in, sliced in the freezer. That's that way I can idea. grab out, you know, if it's just me, I can grab out a slice of bread and mm-hmm. make myself some. If it's already sliced, um, you can pull out just one. Right. That makes it super easy. If you have a friend easy. or two over, you pull out just a few. You don't have to have your whole loaf sitting out mm-hmm. getting stale. And it defrosts. Like, I can take it straight out of the freezer and put it in the toaster, mm-hmm. and it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> Whereas it, pulling out a whole frozen loaf of bread is like a 36-hour commitment. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I don't plan ahead that far most of the time. No, I love the pre-sliced idea. I've done that before, and you can just pop it in the toaster frozen, and it's delicious. Do you have any shortcuts or time savers you use when you're making curry? Do you do anything ahead of time and prep ahead of time, or are you just kind of right before 
No, it comes together pretty quickly. I mean, if I already have cooked chicken on hand, which actually that is something I usually do. I'll have shredded chicken in the freezer already cooked. It's kind of a classic. Slice bread in the freezer, shredded chicken in the freezer. That way, again, cooking for one person, I can like pull out a hunk of frozen chicken. (laughs) Or if I'm cooking for more people or cooking in like last minute, that's already there. I can toss it in. Yeah, if you it doesn't have take super, super pre-cooked long. chicken in the freezer, it is such a huge time saver. And if you freeze it flat, you can kind of break mm-hmm. off how much you want. Mm-hmm. Don't freeze it all in one giant wad. Yeah, no, freezing it flat mm-hmm. works out really well. But other than that, the thing I love about curry is it does come together very quickly. Mm-hmm. Or if you're able to prep a little bit in advance, it simmers really nicely on the stove too. And the flavor just gets better. Or if you're really, really in advance, the flavor will be really nice sitting in the fridge and reheated the next day also. So That's it's super flexible for, having for things over. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just depending on your timing, what you're doing that day. Mm-hmm. Speaking of bread, <laughs> you have the Moscow bread box. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know we can't have all of your top secret recipes, but do you have a bread <laughs> recipe that you would share? Or do you, do you even have a recipe? Or do you just make up your... <laughs> I As do, you go, do you I have do it now. memorized? You have some now. <laughs> I started off when I started making bread. I refused. I don't really even know why I was really stubborn about this. I refused to follow a recipe because I was like, I grew up eating sourdough with my dad. I'll just figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and made a lot of really weird loaves for a while with that method. But they were edible. Because baking know. is pretty exact. Right. You can kind of wing it with curry, but with yeah. bread, it's, it's a like, bit well, more exact an measurements and ratios. bread-like product. But it's also hard to like, you know, adjust, play with things mm-hmm. because it's like, well, I don't really know how much I put in of that last time. So I don't know if I'm changing it this time or not. So once I finally committed to just using a digital scale for my bread, now, like now I know, now it's like a game basically like, okay, if I push it to this percentage hydration, then it has this effect. Or if I add this much extra of this kind of flour, like I can mess with those things. Wow. Um, and you're doing and it on such a big them. scale. If you're trying to say do 20 loaves, you do have to be pretty precise because mm-hmm. you don't want 20 loaves to be kind of wonky. Wonky or <laughs> dance or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I could I could make an edible bread without a recipe, but I now I actually prefer to follow. Okay. I know what my ratios are. I've got – I do a pretty, pretty high hydration sourdough, so it's around 78%. So if you're making two loaves, that'd be 780 grams of water. And then I do, let's see, if I can do this on like one set scale and not many doubled, 80 grams of water, 150 grams of starter, 50 grams of spelt, 100 grams of whole wheat, 850 grams of all-purpose, and then 35 or 40 grams of salt, 35, I think. Wow. Anyways. That's wonderful that it's memorized in your head that you just have it down as well. I, mean, I know you times. can look at yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did we say? Fifteen hundred loaves in the last couple close of years, <laughs> close to that. Yeah, but that's—I mean—that's how I like it. But you can use whatever flour mix you want. You can use whatever hydration you want. Whatever percentage salt. Like I find a fun thing to experiment with is how much starter you put in, or how ripe, how ready your starter is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll use a really overripe, like. Not that great, not that great starter. And that actually slows your fermentation down quite a lot, which gets you better flavor because the longer the longer your bread's fermenting, the more flavor you're gonna have. So anyways, there's all sorts of funny little things that you can tweak and make it your own. There's really only, you know, you gotta have flour, water, and starter and salt, and you'll have some kind of bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> Other than that, it's up to you. For most people, does it take a while to get to know what you're talking about? Like kind of get to know the starter and get to know, well, this is ripe starter and this is not quite ready. And mm-hmm. I mean, how long does that process usually take or is it different for every person? I, it totally depends. Some people, it makes a lot of sense to them and they get the feel for, oh, this is what the dough should feel like or this is, you know, and that's great. It's intuitive pretty immediately. I'd say those are probably kind of artistic people in the first place. <laughs> but and it also depends on how much you're baking, right? Like if you're baking multiple times a week or even once a week consistently for a long time, you're going to have that feedback loop of last time I did this and it had this effect. So maybe I'll try this instead sort of thing. Whereas if you're baking once a month or less, it's harder to get that kind of. Mm-hmm. You've forgotten uh, what happened the last right, time. Right. You don't get exactly. the same feedback loop on what you're experimenting with. So that depends. But I I genuinely think good bread is bread you like to eat, right? Like I don't care if it looks like my bread. I don't care if it tastes like my bread. That is so not the goal. <laughs> like if you like to make it and you like to eat it, you've made really successful bread mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yes. If your family finds it delicious, then you've won. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have 100%. been successful. Mm-hmm. And kids love homemade bread. Oh, they yeah. really do. It's just very special. <laughs> so We'll hopefully post a recipe, even though she has some probably top secret recipes. Maybe we'll be able to t- post one of her favorites on the website at comeoverfordinner.com. So look there. There's also an index that has different categories and things alphabetically. So if you wanted to look for just all the breads that we've put there or create a menu from there, I'll also have her curry recipe or the one that she started with, the Jamie Oliver recipe and any changes she makes. <laughs> What is your best prep tip? So do you look any particular place for cooking inspiration? I know you said you really just like to kind of come up with something based on what you have in the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Do you have a shopping tip or a cleaning tip? How do you best prepare for being ready for people coming to your home? Mm -hmm. I'd say I think this counts as a cleaning tip. (laughs) Putting your kitchen to bed at night. Um, This is not my own concept. This is from Shay Elliott at the Elliott Homestead. And the Homemaker Chic podcast, if there are any listeners who are not listening, they should be. It's great. But she talks about this just like, okay, you do all the dishes, you clean out the sink, you take out the trash, you like everything's actually there's fresh dish towels out for the morning, the soap dispenser's full, like your home's ready, your kitchen's ready to work the next day. You're not having to enter a mess and start cleaning. And I find for whatever reason, my mornings tend to be always running out the door. It's not even an early start. I just apparently cannot get on top of it. But if I leave the house in somewhat of a state of, okay, there's maybe like a couple of breakfast dishes, but the dishes from the previous night are put away. That leaves my home very easy to welcome people into. And that's not to say that I don't ever, or that you shouldn't ever have people over when your home is a mess. I think it's actually quite important to have people over just in the, in the ordinary course of life, but it removes the roadblock of like, okay, you're going to come home or you're going to stop by my house and you're not going to be able to find what you need or I'm not going to be able to find what I need to make you dinner (laughs) or I'm going to have to do 45 minutes of dishes before I can get around to my kitchen's very small. I don't really have the counter space to have dishes and active cooking happening. So that's just a strategic thing that I find really helpful, both practically, but also kind of mentally. Like I've intentionally prepared my home to be ready to have people in it whether or not I know who the Lord's going to send me that day, right? Like, I don't even know if I'm going to have somebody over, but I might. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be open to that and 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 prepared for that to happen. 
And there are, of course, the times when there's laundry on the couch where we're going to eat and I'll, can you help me fold this before we sit down and eat dinner? (laughs) Or there's, yeah, like having someone help with dishes. Those are things that are also, like I said, Mm -hmm. allowing people to come and help you and not feeling the need to be perfectly polished and on display Mm -hmm. by any means. But removing the practical stressors, Mm -hmm. I guess, of um, a dirty kitchen Mm -hmm. (laughs) can be really helpful. And sometimes it really is a lot faster if you do it when everything's fresh. Mm-hmm. What I mean is that everything's not dried and hard yes. and caked on. Yeah. Sometimes the next day it just feels like it takes so much longer because mm-hmm. you can't just do a quick rinse mm-hmm. and everything's comes right. off. It's right. like, oh, that really needs to soak for a little while. Right. And you like you wake up in the hole, right? Like you're already behind from the previous day. So yep. even when like and this is <laughs> even when it's late and even when it really sucks, like that pretty much happens every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that. I find I find it really soothing. I don't really mind doing dishes, mm-hmm. but the process of putting putting my kitchen to bed, putting my house to bed, knowing that like, okay, this is what the Lord it's gave me to ready steward for the next day, right? And I'm ready to use it however the Lord calls me to use it tomorrow. I like that idea. I need to put my kitchen to bed <laughs> more regularly. <laughs> I actually do try. I don't always accomplish it, <laughs> but you're right. I actually did that this morning. We're, we are recording on a Saturday. And we had most of it kind of cleaned up, but there was definitely some things because we had eaten with friends and it was kind of a potluck and we came home and dishes just sat in the sink, you know, Mm -hmm. because we got home kind of late. So waking up this morning, I did do the dishes, emptied the dishwasher, refilled it, you know, cleaned up everything else, but also had a baby shower to go to. Mm Mm-hmm. I could not believe what time it was. I was I thought, oh, I have all this time because the baby shower starts at 10. I was racing Uh to get out the door Uh and not be late. Right. But it was because I hadn't put my kitchen to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I had to do all of that and then get ready and wrap a present and then go. And Mm -hmm. so, yes, it it didn't make me behind, but it. It kind of did in a way. Like if I'd had all that other <laughs> done, I would not have been quite as chaotic or rushed. But, you know, it's fine. Again, you know, sometimes it happens where mm-hmm. you show up, come home late, and it's, you know, too much to just exhausted or whatever. It's like, I'll do it in the morning. But it would have been nice had I mm-hmm. ha- already had it done. So very good thought. What is your best advice for showing warm hospitality to those coming into your home? How do you... Prepare to make them feel welcome. You've already mentioned a lot of things, but do you have anything else you would add? Yeah, I mean, I I think accepting help is my biggest, at least my biggest temptation to not do. Mm -hmm. And so the thing I have to remind myself the most of is it's about them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't let it be about, you know, you being impressive to anybody. Um, Yeah, it makes them feel at home in your home. Right, right. And also just attending to making your home homey, like actually a place that people would want to be. And I think probably most of your listeners are doing that. That's mm-hmm. hardly a new concept. How but. do you make your home homey? What, how do you make it comfortable? As I'm a college a, student without a, <laughs> yeah. without a oven and did you say you were without an oven? Yeah. No oven, no dining table. <laughs> <laughs> you have a stovetop or just a burn, um, have, like a burner? I have an electric burner okay. and a toaster oven. You're amazing and, to be able to pull off. You know, things if you want to you will (laughs) (laughs) an electric burner (laughs) and a toaster (laughs) i dream of the day i can both boil pasta and make sauce at the same time that sounds luxurious did you get two electric burners i had two for a while and one died so i should probably get another one christmas present in case any of our families listening (laughs) 
course, this airs after Christmas. I would still accept it if anybody. Right, birthday present. <laughs> yeah. But yes, that is also just a reminder to our listeners, like, guys, if you have a stove, <laughs> there's a lot to be thankful for. You have a stove. Yeah. Yeah. That works. <laughs> and a dining table, potentially. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even without those things, you're still being very hospitable. So it's just a fabulous encouragement. And I think it's a good, like, I remind myself of this often as a single person, right? Like, life is not starting later, right? Like, what the Lord has called you to, he's called you to. And the faithfulness he's called you to, he's called you to now. Mm -hmm. And if I'm waiting until I have more space or an oven or a dining table or a husband and kids to start having people over and start blessing people in that way and being blessed in that way, Mm -hmm. I never actually will, Mm -hmm. right? And if I'm always saying, oh, I've really wanted to do such and thus. Like, if you've been saying that for five years, you don't really want to. Mm-hmm. If you had wanted to, you would have made it happen by now, <laughs> right? So try to like put your money where your mouth is, basically. It's a, a thing I have to remind myself of often. Like, live like the kind of woman that you want to be mm-hmm. the rest of your life. Yes. Because that's not, there's not a later starting point <laughs> to the rest of your life, right? Well, and if you develop that habit or you allow yourself to develop that habit of making excuses and always looking for the future, it's probably always going to be that way. Like you're saying, you're never going to do it because let's say you are young and married. Well, you're pregnant now and you're tired (laughs) and you're throwing up or, and there is a time when you do maybe have to stop hospitality, but you know, there's that. And then, then the children come and the house is messy and I'm busy. And I mean, there's always something in our lives that's going to make it hard and difficult because it is hard work to mm-hmm. invite people into our home, into our lives. And we talked earlier about just having to stop and think about others versus what our agenda is or what we need to get accomplished. Mm-hmm. Inviting people into your home and having to, to do that pause takes our time. Mm-hmm. And so there's always an excuse about how we're too busy or how our house isn't nice enough or big mm-hmm. enough or whatever. We can come mm-hmm. up with a million excuses. So I think right. you're right. If you allow yourself to develop that habit of just making excuses, right. it's kind of There's gonna always going to be an excuse. <laughs> if you're looking for one, you <laughs> yes. will find one. Yeah, yeah, I think I really do think about my parents a lot when with this conversation of like, they have been so hospitable their whole lives. And we live in a parsonage, right? It hasn't always been what we would have designed if we could have designed it. And like, you know, the new families are over. We have midweek groups at our house. We have Bible studies at our house. Like over the years, there's been a variety of things. But the thing that really like stands out in my mind, every December we would do an elder dinner for the elders and the staff at the church. And we did not have a space (laughs) to seat that many people. So we would shove all our furniture down the hallway and bring in tables and chairs. And it was tight. It was really tight. But like Grandma's China was out. The candles were lit. It was a multiple course meal. And it was just beautiful. I mean, just so beautiful. And Caleb and I would, you know, get to wait tables. And, and we would take our plate of food and climb over all the furniture into our rooms to eat it. But that they didn't have the space for it. And they did it anyways. Mm-hmm. And that is like the highlight for so many people. Like, yes, so the memorable. elder dinner is coming. And just this year, they turned, like, over the summer, my dad was on sabbatical, and they turned their enclosed garage into a dining hall. I mean, the amount of work, <laughs> just getting rid of old garage stuff that piles up. kind of work. Ripping out moldy carpet, painting the walls, wiring in chandeliers, putting in tables, putting in... It's stunning. It's so beautiful. And the it's so... I mean, I don't even live there anymore, but the joy it gives me that they have the space 
they have the space now to do what they've been doing this whole time. Right. Right. And the Lord, how much the Lord had just rewarded their faithfulness. Their home has been a place for people. And now they actually have the space to make that place for people. And just, it's been such a joy to see my mom get that space and grow into it and design it and make it beautiful. And just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But it's been 15 years in that house prior to that point. Right. Um, And that's, I take that very much as a reminder and a conviction to myself, of like on that timeline, it's going to be 30 years before you have a dining hall. So <laughs> don't wait until then right. to start having people around. Space constraints are just no barrier. You have to figure it out anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then maybe down the road, God will provide a bigger mm-hmm. space. But you can't wait until then thinking, well, when that happens, because mm-hmm. it may never happen. Right. Right. That's wonderful that they do have a space. You're going to have to send me a picture. It's now, beautiful. Now I, I will. I'll, I'll show you pictures when we're done recording. It's absolutely stunning. Okay. Very fun. What is your must-have kitchen item and where can we find it? This is really specific, but I live and die by these things. It's a Cambro six-quart food storage container. They have a snap-on lid. Food storage, great. Dry storage. If you have... A large quantity of anything you need to keep in the fridge like if you're if you have a bunch of soup left over or if you're making something in advance and you need to keep it in the fridge it's great the lid snaps on my dad made bread in these growing up so that's what i got when i started making bread and it's great because it's a straight-sided container so you can see how much your bread is risen and you know see through but also the lid snaps on and anybody who has made sourdough knows how miserable cleaning dry sourdough crustiness off of things is So this keeps you from having to do that because it keeps all the moisture in (laughs) the dough. So you can mix and proof in the same thing and then it's really easy to clean. So I I have at least five of them. I've kind of lost count at this point. They're everywhere in my house. Would highly recommend recommend for, yeah. I love very specific recommendations because that tells people, okay, this is a tried and true item. This specific size, this specific brand, I really love it versus Mm -hmm. just like, oh, you know, just which general can be fine too. But, you know, I do like your specific recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I'll have to look that up. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have a funny story from all your years of having people either in your parents' home or currently your college situation of having people into your home? Or even if it's not funny now, maybe we should think of it as funny (laughs) (laughs) in retrospect. Maybe it wasn't funny at the time. This question kind of stumped me because I was like, I... I find a lot of things really funny, like as a general (laughs) principle. That's a good attitude (laughs) to have. (laughs) I really could not think of anything. Maybe I was just being really sentimental while I was reading through the questions, but I could not think of anything particularly like, oh, that was such an embarrassing story or that was so. And I'm sure there have been. Like, I'm sure. Yeah, but you've let it slide. (laughs) Undoubtedly. Your personality would just kind of let it go, not worry about it, which is fabulous. It's a great way to be. But I, I'm sure there have been really funny moments, but the overwhelming memory of hospitality, both as a kid and my mom's probably like, you were such a grump about hospitality as a kid. <laughs> Again, the sentimental <laughs> reflective gaze. Um, That's great. <laughs> at least current me and I hope future me will always look back fondly on it. It is very fun. It is very rose colored, like the blessing that it's been and the the joy that it is mm-hmm. to get to have people around and a lot of that, like I said, is is allowing yourself to be a part of it, not above it. And when that comes at jokes at your expense, that's also great. <laughs> Which, like I said, I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened. And honestly, that's a great, <laughs> <laughs> a 
if you are having new people over, I know I've done this. I can't think of specific people, though. I guess it would be weird to name names anyways. But having new people over that you're not super comfortable with or mm-hmm. they seem really uncomfortable, like making jokes at your own expense or telling your own embarrassing stories really is a, it's a good icebreaker if you're having a very awkward dinner conversation. <laughs> Maybe that's not the classiest move, but I will pull out. I will definitely pull out the embarrassing. This happened to me once in class kind of stories or the time when this and such a thing. And that just, again, Mm -hmm. putting people at ease. Well, um, then it kind of jogs their memory and maybe all the stories start flying. (laughs) (laughs) It works that way quite often. That actually is a really great point because we look back and there's lots of learning lessons at our own expense that we think, oh, like you're saying, your parents being faithful in hospitality. Well, the fruit is where you are now. You're very hospitable. You're 22 years old and already just as a fabulous bread baker can do it for a business, have people into your home. Your parents probably can see your growth over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard for ourselves to look back and see that growth. So she, your mom could probably tell some yeah. stories. <laughs> she'll she'll but, message you after she hears this podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you about the time she did this. You know, yeah. But just their faithfulness and mm-hmm. allowing the children to be a part of it mm-hmm. is just such a testament to, yes, raising kids to be hospitable. Mm-hmm. But then, like you're also saying another point of just being able to laugh at yourself. If you do remember the stories, I have told my second graders this story, and I think it has to do with pride goeth before a fall. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Somehow we read Luke in second grade, a chapter a week, and discuss it and all of that. But some way, I don't know if this was in Luke or if we were talking for a different reason about pride, but it's really funny how you hear the pride goeth before a fall. And <laughs> when I was, oh, probably nine years old, the little Christian school we went to met in a basement that had carpeted stairs and carpet in the basement. When they had fitted this out for a school, someone thought this plush shag carpet would be mm, fabulous tasty. back in the, I don't know, 80s. And I had brand new, probably for Christmas, brand new little small heels. My <laughs> mother, I must have picked out, begged, you know, pleaded for these. <laughs> they were taintsy heels. It's wasn't big at all, but, you know, maybe I was a little older. Maybe I was older than nine. But they were probably like a – they weren't quite navy. They were more of a cobalt blue. Mm-hmm. I was so proud of those heels. <laughs> I mean, because they were heels. Oh, yeah. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. I felt so grown up and so big, and I was very prideful about wearing those heels to school. As I tromped down those stairs with my heels, sure that everyone was noticing how fabulous they were. I get to about stair, well, somewhere in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Far enough up to make the fall good. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. A heel snagged in the carpet. And I went (laughs) flying (laughs) while everyone was watching me descend Mm -hmm. to the basement. The heel, I Your look, I remember, glory. yes, my moment of glory. One heel stayed on and the other, as I finished tumbling, <laughs> I looked back and there was that heel, like, you know, Cinderella, the heel sitting on the stair. <laughs> Wedged in the plush carpet. Wedged in the plush carpet, Ooh, yeah. That's so funny. I still tell that story because it was mortifying. I was mortified. I was mm-hmm. so embarrassed mm-hmm. and, and just so, well, all the feelings you would have, you know. Mm-hmm was not funny at the time. It's hilarious now to look back and say, you know, God taught me a lesson that day. 
Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because it was exactly Pride Goes Before of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he really Very made me literally. fall. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun to, yeah, to tell stories at your own expense. And it helps other people learn, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully my little second graders, they get a kick out of it. But, you know, hopefully that that image sticks in their mind, too, of like, okay, this is what Pride looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully you can avoid this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to fall flat on your face in front of all of your friends. Right. Trust me. <laughs> a parable in our own day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So that's a great icebreaker. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so fun to hear your tips on hospitality and just to hear how you do it and just a different perspective. So thank you for taking time out of your day. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Until next time. Bye for now. If you have a minute, scroll down to the bottom of your podcast page where you see my list of episodes. You'll see a place to leave a star rating and a review. If you could tell why you like the podcast, This review helps new listeners to know what the podcast is about and why it's worth their time. Thank you.